0: One uh, from the Old Testament is from Psalm 32. Um, if you have one of the Pew Bibles, um, look around, or oh, chair Bibles, I guess they are. Um, it's on page 555. Um, there should be copies of Bibles, um, or there should be Bibles lying around. If you don't have one, just look around, someone will pass one to you um, if you want to follow along. So, Psalm 32. Uh, And you'll see that the first line of this psalm is that it is a mascal of David. Uh, Mascal is a literary or perhaps musical term of uncertain meaning, but um, associated with wisdom and contemplation. Um, I'll just close that door. Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Salah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Salah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the Rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle. Or it will not stay near you many are the sorrows of the wicked but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the lord be glad in the lord and rejoice O righteous and shout for joy all you upright in heart our second reading is from the new testament and the gospel of john it's on page one thousand and sixty nine, in the uh, sorry one thousand and sixty eight, in the Church Bible. So it won't have a page number at the top, but if you find one thousand and sixty seven and one thousand and sixty nine, then it's the one in between. So, um, so the Gospel of John is the Apostle John's uh, account of the life of Jesus, um, and we'll be reading the first eighteen verses. and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known.
1: You too. <laughs> Excellent. That's, that's a good thing to know when you're actually using one of these things, right? I apologise greatly, but thank you. Um, I'll speak softer now. Anyway, it is good to be here, and uh, so great to see everybody uh, as we commence a new year together. Let me, uh, let me pray. Uh, the other thing to say is if you want a, an outline of the talk where it's going this morning, uh, you'll see it there on the back of your handout. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Our Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. Uh, For this new year, we thank you, Lord God, that uh, we can gather together the freedom to uh, reflect on things that that we're reflecting on this morning. Give us uh, an understanding of who you are uh, and what you think about us and how we ought to respond in this world. And so be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can I just say, uh, thanks for joining us today as we commence our, our January series uh, ...of talks entitled, Meet Jesus. Uh, that's exactly what we'd love people to be able to do as we start 2024. We'd love people to be able to meet Jesus. Because we're actually certain that if you genuinely meet Jesus... Uh, ...you'll be certain that it's the best thing that has ever happened to you. And so if you're here this morning or uh, as, as someone who has questions about this... ...or wonders what all the fuss is about... ...or, or just wants to know why we think that Jesus is such a big deal... Or, in fact, whatever reason you happen to be here today, uh, we're glad that you're here. We actually hope that you will find uh, what we talk about stimulated It actually help you think through what life is about. Our topic today, as we've already heard, is about wanting purpose in life. Uh, what is our purpose as human beings? What should be your purpose in life? How, how can you actually find that out? Uh, It it can actually be a a very challenging question to wonder what your purpose in life should be. And can I say, it's even bigger if we're asking, why do I even exist? I had the uh, great privilege last year of a holiday in Europe Uh, on the way over. We stopped in Doha, and when I got back on the plane, I was sitting next to a a woman, probably in her late 30s. Uh, You never know how much people kind of want to talk Uh, when you get onto a plane or whether they just want to be left alone and so we said hi and introduced ourselves and Then we just did our own thing for a while Eventually, I asked her if she was flying home or heading away somewhere else Uh, It was a simple question that in the end led to a a very long conversation Uh, She had just said goodbye to her husband in Doha uh, Who was flying back to America where they lived? Uh, She was Iranian Uh, but had left islam and her muslim family to marry this american guy but now she told me that she was she was flying to england and the reason why she was doing that was to try and find out who she was and what the purpose of her life was now before COVID, she had had her own little consulting business in america that she'd felt had given her life some meaning but it had folded during COVID, and she was having this existential crisis Uh, She loved her husband uh, but hated where she lived in America and she didn't have any friends there. And so she was actually struggling to know who she was and why in fact she even existed and what she should be doing with her life. And so she was hoping that some time on her own in England would just give her time to think and try and work out where she fitted in this world. So I asked her, uh, given her Muslim upbringing, I, I asked her if she believed in God. And she said no, she, she'd left that all behind, it was just a bunch of rules and restrictions. I said, oh, well that's, that's very different to the, the Christian God that I believe in. I said that God is about relationship, not rules. The Bible, I, said, I went on to say that the Bible tells me that God loves me, that he's for me, that I... That, that he wants to be in relationship you know, and I, I've experienced that to be true I didn't actually expect it but she was gobsmacked by that comment uh, she'd never heard that it was possible to have a relationship with God and so for the next couple of hours she peppered me with questions and she became very excited uh, we ended up exchanging phone numbers she took the details of a book that I said she should try and read uh, and she helped us find our way out of Heathrow Airport for which I was very thankful having no idea where i was going but she was very helpful but this question of our purpose or what we exist for is a very important one it was a very important one for this woman now can i say there are two options either there's no possibility of any meaning or purpose in life or there is Uh, the atheist richard dawkins says that uh, there's no design no purpose no evil no good nothing but pointless indifference in our world And if, as he believes, the existence of human beings is a a kind of a random accident and there is no purpose, nor any possibility of purpose, uh, uh, that's what he believes and he actually acknowledges that, he at least has the courage of his convictions. He's prepared to say that that's the reality that he believes, even though he doesn't live his life that way. In fact, nobody actually does because it would just lead to this kind of despair and hopelessness if that was the case. And of course... What Dawkins was saying was that without God, there is no design, no purpose. To him, we live in a a godless, pointless universe. And those two things go hand in hand. Now, most people who agree with him about the godless part don't necessarily agree about the pointless part. But in the absence of any perceived given purpose, we try to invent our own. And yet we wind up either fooling ourselves or we end up terribly lost, like my friend on the plane. And that's because, can I say, to have purpose actually requires a maker, a creator. I mean, the seat that you're sitting on this morning has a maker who made it with a particular purpose. The phone in your bag or, or your pocket has been designed and made with a purpose i mean accidents don't have purpose and the question is have we have we been designed and made with a purpose and can i say that the answer of christianity is that yes we have been made we have been designed we've been created with a purpose and it's actually wonderfully good news that that's the case Uh, we begin to get a glimpse of it in the passage from the bible uh, that we've just read there which is one of the biographies of Jesus' life there in John. It was written by uh, one of the people who lived with Jesus for several years. Uh, we know him as the Apostle John. But let's, let's just have a closer look at it. If you haven't, I, I'm sorry I didn't have it on the screen for you this morning, but if you have it, I have your Bibles with you. I encourage you to open it uh, back on page 1068. It doesn't have a number, as Tom's told us, but that's the page. Um, and so that's we're going to read. Pick it up there at, at verse 1 or sentence 1. Thank you in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men now can i say at first that sounds like a bit of a convoluted sentence Uh, and so let me just clarify if i can who is this word that was in the beginning with god and in fact was god well, it becomes a little bit clearer further down in sentence 14. If you cast your eyes down to sentence 14, we read there, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, John tells us that the Word, who was with God before the world was created, before it came into being, this Word was with Jesus, or oh, was, sorry, was Jesus. And he calls him here the word who became flesh. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God in, in the flesh. Come to live among us. But there's actually one thing I want us to see back in verse, in, in, sentence, seven, in sentence three, sorry. See what it says there? It says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, everything that exists in this world, in this universe, God through Jesus made it all and that includes you and I along with every other organism or creature in the cosmos see the very breath that inhabits our lungs has been given to us by God he is our maker he is the one who has given us life itself uh, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and of course we are aren't we I mean the human body is a remarkable piece of manufacturing I mean I could rattle off a whole bunch of statistics about our bodies that are just mind-blowing. But the point here is that God is our creator. He's the one who has given us our life. And he has done so with a purpose. And we begin to see it as we read on in this Bible passage. That is, that we have been made for relationship with God. Let's just pick it up at sentence 6 there, if we can, in John There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Uh, Now here, John the Apostle actually introduces us to another John, in case case you're confused, uh, who is John the Baptist. We're told that he was sent by God to point people to Jesus and to the life that he gives. That is, he is to bear witness about the light, is the way that John puts it. Now, the light, of course, is another name John uses to speak about Jesus. And the reason for that is, it, is because Jesus both reveals where true life is found and he is indeed the source of life. That is, he sheds light on human lostness and evil and he shows where real life and real meaning is found. Let's just read on there in, verse, in, in sentence 9. The true light, that is Jesus which enlightens everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and the world was made through him and yet the world did not know him he came to his own and his own people did not receive him you see what what john is pointing out here is the big problem we as human beings have it's the reason that people are, are so often lost that they feel aimless They're looking for some kind of purpose, wondering what their lives should be or what should amount to. That is, people have cut themselves off from the source and the giver of life. And so is it any wonder that they can't work out what their life is for? Or that they busy themselves with all sorts of activities that distract them but bring no lasting fulfilment? Let me just try and illustrate. I'm not sure this is the most helpful illustration because we're not exactly like this, but I think it will make the point. Uh, imagine you're a puppet, maybe that's not so easy to do, but you perform it at shows and people like you, you can move your arms and legs and you can nod your head, you can speak, uh, you even speak to the puppeteer. But imagine, and you have to imagine because it's not possible, but imagine you decided, I don't want someone as a puppet, I don't want someone dictating what I do and say, I'm going to go it alone, I'm going to do my own shows and I'm going to work out my own dialogue, etc., it's kind of completely crazy, isn't it, for a puppet to even think that he could do that. The, the only reason that you can move your arms and legs and nod your head is because the puppeteer has his arm up your back. And the only reason you can speak is because, well, the puppeteer gives you your voice. That puppet's existence becomes pointless. It can't do what it has been created for. And it's a little bit like that for us. Please hear me, we are not puppets, that is not what God has made. We can still choose what we do with our lives and how we use our bodies, etc. But if we reject the one who has made us, the one who gives us our life, then we reject the purpose for which we have been made. We don't give ourselves life. We don't put the breath in our lungs which carries our words. We could do nothing without God. And that's the point, really. Even as Christians, we might think, well, I haven't rejected God. I believe in him. I try and do things for him, but I don't always feel like I have purpose in my life. But You see, here's the thing. Our purpose is not about what we do for for God. In fact, quite the opposite. Our purpose flows out of what God has done for us. Let's just read on from sentence 12. He said, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The great tragedy of our world, I think, is that people have turned their backs on their creator. They've walked away from God. They don't appreciate or even recognize all that God has done for them. And the Bible is clear that our rejection of God... Leads to all manner of problems and evil in our world. But notice that even though we might reject God, He offers to receive us back when we believe in Jesus. See verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So you're know, so we going to say, we often don't fully appreciate how wonderful this offer from God actually is to receive people who have rebelled against him as his children. Now, I just want to take us to the other Bible reading that we had in Psalm 32 for a moment to show us what what I mean. Uh, That was back on page 555 in your uh, church Bibles there. But this is a psalm or a a hymn, a song written by King David that expresses the the amazing thing that God does for those who turn to him. Uh, Let me just read the First two sentences again from Psalm 32. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. You see, when David speaks here about the person who is blessed, he's speaking about pure happiness. It's the happiness that actually overtook David himself when he came to the experience of God's forgiveness of his sin, of his rebellion against God, when he was relieved of the pain of his guilt for all that he'd done. The Bible actually uses the kind of umbrella term of sin to capture all the ways in which we rebel against God. Uh, And here in in these uh, couple of sentences, he uses three words You'll notice in there, transgressions, sin, and iniquity are the three words he uses that, that, that speak about three kinds of sin or three kinds of evil. Uh, the first of those things is the wrong that we do against God and others, like lying or stealing or that kind of thing. Uh, the second that he's talking about there is the wrong that is committed against God and ourselves, perhaps like the things that we do in secret that nobody knows about, but God does. And then third, there's the the wrong that we commit directly against God himself. Uh, This is the rebellion, if you like, of taking the life that God gives to us and not living it back to him. It's the pride and the ingratitude of not wanting God, our creator, to have any say in our lives, to set ourselves up as little gods of our own lives, who choose our own paths because we're unwilling to receive him as we should. And can I say, this is the big one. This is the sin that sits above every other wrong thing that we ever do. You see, here is the beauty of what God is offering to us. Forgiveness and the right to become his children, part of his family. See, forgiveness is a marvellous thing. Can I say, it's a great burden lifted away from us. It's it's the consequences of our sin against God taken away, cleared. When we receive Jesus and all that he's done for us, he forgives us and he welcomes us. We're now unburdened, we're unashamed and we can begin to live the life that God has actually made us for. Uh, One writer put it this way, he said, being forgiven by God is the pivotal moment of the human life because it changes everything. And it really does. And Christianity is not about what we can do for God. It's about what God promises to do for us. He sends Jesus to reveal God to us. Jesus comes and he, he dies on a cross to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins. And he offers us instead forgiveness. The crushing burden And guilt and shame of condemnation lifted from us. And you see, that's just the start. Because the purpose of forgiveness is to open the way to relationship. A new relationship with God, with our maker. The one who gives us life and everything to enjoy. The one who welcomes us into his family. The one who has made us for a purpose that will bring more meaning and more joy to your life than you could ever imagine. See, our purpose in life is not invented or achieved or discovered. Our purpose actually flows out as a response to all that God has done for us. You see, what is our purpose? Well, you can see it there at point five on your outlines. My purpose is to praise and enjoy the one who made me. Now, maybe you think that's a little bit of an anti-climax... Uh, perhaps you were hoping there was something more significant to invest your life in but that's not what the greatest king of israel thought it's not what king david thought look at again psalm 32 look at the last sentence of psalm 32 david is speaking about god's forgiveness and the burden that is lifted from him and look at how he ends that psalm sentence 11 he says be glad in the lord and rejoice O righteous and shout for joy all you upright in heart." You see, here is King David's response to all that God has done for him in forgiving his sins and restoring his relationship with his creator. Be glad, rejoice, shout for joy, not because of his wealth and good fortune, but in the Lord. See, our our purpose in life is not bound up in our work or our achievements or our wealth or some humanitarian goal or, or even not in our family. As good as all of those things are, see, no matter what your life consists of, no matter what you might be going through, there's never a time in your life, no matter how difficult, that you can't remember what God has done for you and be filled with thankfulness. There's never a loss or disappointment you might face that can take away the treasure of your forgiveness and your inclusion in God's family. See, God's act of of forgiving us through Jesus and and making us members of his eternal family is world-changing. It changes my present and it changes my entire future, both in this life and in the world to come. And so it's both natural and right that my response, my purpose, is to praise and enjoy the one who made me. Uh, the, The Westminster Shorter Catechism Uh, was written in 1647, so a long time ago, and it outlines actually the key beliefs of Christianity. And the very first question that it poses is this. It says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the ultimate purpose of humanity? And the answer that it gives is this. It says, the chief end of humanity is to glorify or praise God and to enjoy him forever that is if you're someone who knows the joy of having had your sins forgiven and having been welcomed into god's family loved saved by him then rejoice you'll never find greater meaning and purpose than living as one of god's family members and praising god by telling others how good he is you'll never work out your meaning and and your purpose in life if you ignore the very source of your existence you're not an accident you've been wonderfully and lovingly made what a joy to be known and loved by god and to be able to walk in his ways the apostle john wants us to understand that at the end of our first passage uh, what he says is this this is what he says sentence 16 in, in john he says and from his fullness That is, from Jesus' fullness, we have received grace upon grace. See, John is saying that from all the fullness of Jesus, who is the means of every part of creation, for those who receive him, he pours out grace. That is, he heaps his generosity on us. See, sentence 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so if you're really looking for purpose in your life, then can I suggest that you take to heart the words of this famous hymn? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are our loving creator. And not only are you our loving creator, but you have come amongst us in the person of Jesus to show the depths of your love by dying on a cross for us and by giving us new life. Father, thank you that we find purpose only as we are rightly related to you. And so continue to help us to see you more clearly and understand what it is, Lord God, to give our lives into your hands and so live this life for all that you have called us remembering all that you have done for us. And so we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.